1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his
2: way to the end zone. tell you what, that was a spectacular
1: play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done it again. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath,
0: and Ben. Top 12 for 2022. Jonathan Taylor is the first running back to finish as the number one running back in PPR with 40 or fewer catches. He had exactly 40. Since Adrian Peterson in 2012, it had been nine years since that happened. So is he going to be number one in our 2022 rankings? Find out right now. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Chris Towers. Guys, what is the most surprising thing in your top 12, the most surprising ranking, Chris?
2: In the top 12 overall?
0: Yeah, overall.
2: Oh, most surprising thing in the top 12 overall. I would guess it's that I don't have Jonathan Taylor as the number one overall player. <gasps> That's probably the most surprising Gasp! Thing.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, all right. I think I know who it is. We'll find out. Jamie, who's uh, what's the most surprising ranking?
3: I mean, just the fact that Justin Tucker's 10 for me. I'm <laughs> tired of guessing on kicker, so it was about time just to, s- to solve that problem.
0: And I think we, you know, we should... I think it's important, you know. It's like people kickers count, except I don't know that you got the right one. But and no, you have a real answer. Um,
3: the most surprising thing is that it will probably not look the same today that it will tomorrow, and then tomorrow from a week from now, and then a week from now from a month from now. You know, so it's a it's a working list. Okay, as it always should be.
0: Uh, I'm gonna just tell you about a, a quick fun podcast that you need to listen to. It's the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. Frank Stanfield, Mike McClure, and Cian Ajad giving you the cash and GPP analysis on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And now's a great time to be playing some DFS because, you know, your seasonal fantasy football leagues are over. We're going to be playing a ton of DFS. We're going to be helping you out with that on Thursday. But we're not as good as those DFS guys, so check out Fantasy Football Today, DFS, uh, wherever you listen to FFT.
3: Can I tell you how perfectly flawed my Saturday night DFS lineup was? Oh, Yeah. So, this was my lineup for the Eagles Cowboys game. And it was so close to being perfect. It was just so frustrating. So, this, this let's see if you guess who the captain was in, in my team. So, I had Dak Prescott, Sed Wilson, um, Corey Clement, Kenneth Gainwell, Gardner Minshew, and Greg Ward. It was so Ward. Was flopped. If it I had was- put Wes Watkins, I would have been even better. It was Minshew. Minshew was my captain. Chris, what do you think was captain?
2: I would say Minshew. I don't think it's Minshew. Uh, The
0: way Jamie responded to that, I think gave it away. He has a tell. I'm going to say it was uh, said Wilson. No, it was Kenneth Gainwell.
2: He he scored a touchdown, right?
0: Yeah. So
3: what was it?
2: It's got to be one of whoever Gainwell didn't
0: score. Gainwell scored. Gainwell
3: scored. Gainwell was awesome. Uh, Dak was awesome. Wilson was awesome. Uh, Gardner was okay. Clement was awesome. Uh, Ward bad. Minchie was okay. Got off to a great start. Had I played Dak or Wilson in the MVP spot, I wouldn't be speaking to you right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that's uh, that's fun, man. It's fun to you know hit on a on a DFS lineup. Oh, um, well, it's
3: fun when it's great. It's okay when it's fine, and you no. Know,
2: Adam, have you have you begun dabbling in the in the sports gaming world oh. since it became allowed uh, thank god i have it cuz I, I definitely would have bet on alabama last night i had over under 64.5 rushing yards for both josh jacobs and uh austin eckler on sunday night jacobs ends up with 130 with the big uh, they neither had it by by the end of the fourth quarter jacobs gets there oh wow eckler ends up 1 yard short oh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i really think that overtime just should not count in gambling uh, you know,
2: especially with totals, over unders. Then, then you have to adopt hockey. Brandon Staley would like that too. You have to adopt <laughs> hockey rules. <You laughs> What's hockey rules, you get a win. You don't get uh-huh. a loss if you go to overtime. What well, no, I guess? mean,
0: if you if you choose if you go over under right and you and you go over the total and it doesn't get there until overtime. In my opinion, you lost. Uh, the, Those they, points it, count. Those points count. Yeah, they shouldn't count. Overtime shouldn't count. It's very frustrating. Yeah, it,
3: there'd be a lot of people that would like to beat you up right now <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: all right let's go to our top 12s here we're also going to talk about the coaching changes and the coordinator changes As anthony lynn is out in detroit as well uh you know and we know about all the head coaches that have been so far joe judge is still a head coach so we thought maybe he's keeping be, the job it's the most ridiculous thing ever it, maybe you know you know, don't know that he's keeping the job he's very much up in the air so um we'll see if he's fired know. by the end of the show I-
2: oh. I don't know how you bring back a guy who ran a QB sneak on third and nine. I don't know how you don't, Chris. You got to admire like, the chutzpah, okay? I, you I gotta don't admire. know how that guy didn't immediately like. He should have lost the locker months ago with the play calling over the, down the stretch. That's but not I his don't know play calling. That, like I don't know how you look your players in the eye after that. Look, he you got to play field position in this league, okay?
0: <laughs> you don't you, you got like you don't want to give him the ball at the forty eight. You want to give it to him at the fifty. All right, top uh, twelve. Thursday? What's that? Our next show, Thursday? Thursday, yeah.
3: Here, I want you to stat the bleep out of this thing. Um, I want you to, to uh, from the time, either you could either do one of these two timelines. Daniel Jones' injury, so Mike Glenn and Jake Fromm combo. Or when Jason Garrett was fired, one of the two. There are points per game over 17 games.
0: Oh, well, it's, I mean... With the injury, it's uh, with the injury. The last six games that he didn't play was ridiculous. It was five touchdowns in six games. I'm pretty sure, and so, four of them that, were in garbage Where down. is that historically? Three of them, over seventeen games. Oh, I, I'm sure it'd be the worst ever. I mean that. Uh, I <laughs>
2: that I might be, be the a worst stretch. ever,
0: but it's probably it's probably in the top ten.
2: Do you know the last time they had more than 316 yards of total offense was? No, 2020 week four. <laughs> week four. Pathetic. Yeah, I would say the
0: glennon Fromm era was was, uh, extrapolated over a 16-game season, probably was one of the historically worst offenses I think they're going to talk about that in the same vein
3: that they talk about the sims Hosteller era. Yeah,
0: exactly. All right, so anyway, uh, let's get to our top 12s here for 2022, and then we'll get to the coaching changes. Later I'm going to tell you about Delicious Butcher Box, which I can't wait to talk about. Um, All right, let's uh, let's do our top six first. So, Chris, you said Jonathan Taylor is not number one for you. Who's number one through six?
2: Yeah, I, I really hate Jonathan Taylor. He falls all the way to number two for me. I go Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams for now, and Derrick Henry. So I think it's probably a slightly different order than most people have. But, you know, I do we want to get into the Christian McCaffrey of it now? or? Uh, okay, yeah, in uh, a moment.
0: Um, So this is, by the way, full PPR. So that's a huge distinction. Yes. Full PPR, McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, Cup, Adams, Henry. Jamie, your top six.
3: Uh, My top six is Taylor, Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara.
0: Taylor, Eckler, Cook, Henry, you said,
3: McCaffrey, Kamara? Henry's four, McCaffrey's five, Kamara's six.
0: Yeah, I think we should start with McCaffrey, Jamie. You have him fifth, and I know I know that it's tempting. I mean, I think we all feel the same way about McCaffrey. If he's healthy, he's correct me if I'm wrong. If he's healthy, he's number one. I mean, obviously, Chris feels that way. I feel that way. I think he's going to be number one per game, uh, Jamie. Um, what about yeah, you?
3: no, he's he's uh, he's easily the one that will move up the most, uh, probably of anybody in the top twelve, and that's saying you know a lot because he's already five for me. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's kind of a wait and see, you know, with him because. It's not just his health. I want to see the offensive line was a complete disaster. One of the worst offensive lines in the league this year. Uh, I want to see who the quarterback is. Um, I hate Matt roll saying Sam Darnold's going to come back and, and potentially be the starter. I'd like to see an upgrade there. I don't know who it will be. Um, but um, there there are you know those three significant situations. And as of now, Matt Roles is still the coach. I, I anticipate him being the coach. But they just made a slew of moves this morning of firing all their assistants on top of firing Joe Brady. So... Who's the coordinator? Is there any more competition brought in? Is the offensive line fixed? Is the quarterback fixed? He, as himself, is he fixed? So, uh, understandably so with him, a lot of questions, but understandably so a ton of upside. All
2: right, why is he number one, Chris? I think he's the best player in fantasy. I still think that is true. You know, one, one thing that's worth pointing out is as good as Jonathan Taylor was, this was the lowest fantasy points per game for a number one running back uh, since 2015, since that Devontae Freeman season. So, not to take anything away from Jonathan Taylor, just to say that because of the the pass catching role that he didn't have, or at least sporadically had, you know, he did he have a catch in the final four or five games of the season? Oh, he had zero think, heading into Week 18. I uh, don't know. Over the previous four, so well, I'll tell you right now, his you know, it
0: it, game log up. Oh, uh, he had three catches in Week 18.
2: Okay, so he had three in the last five weeks. Um, uh, he had four. Four. Yeah, he had one uh, in Week oh. 17 and three in Week 18. You can't 80. trust anything I said. <laughs> but still, it's a good point. He went zero 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 one three. And if you take out the two games that Christian McCaffrey left with injuries, and I know we're cutting a seven-game sample down to five now, but if you take those two games where he left with injury, he averaged 23.6 PPR points per game, which would have been number 1 amongst running backs just ahead of Derrick Henry. And that was while only scoring .4 touchdowns per game. In his previous two seasons, he was at one point. Actually, going back to 2019, he was at 1.3 touchdowns per game. So even if he was half as good as his 2019 and 2020 runs, where he scored 1.3 touchdowns per game, he would have been at 26 fantasy points per game. If he had scored at his 2019 and 2020 pace, he's at 28. So I just, I think you look at it and it's just, when healthy and that's the big question with Christian McCaffrey. When healthy, I think he's still not just the best fantasy player, the best player in fantasy. I don't think it's particularly close. I would expect if you project out 2022 right now, I would probably project Christian McCaffrey to be at least 10% better, if not 15 to 20% better per game than every other player in fantasy. I just I think his and, you know, we've got questions about the quarterback, and we've got questions about the line, and we've got questions about the coaching staff. But one thing that I thought was very promising was I've seen a lot of people suggest, well, given the injuries, maybe they're not going to use him the same way they have in the past. Well, Matt Rule yesterday said that one of the things they're looking for in an offensive coordinator is to find creative ways to use Christian McCaffrey more. You know, they talked about using him in the slot. That never really happened. So I don't think we're going to see a lesser role for Christian McCaffrey. I think he's still going to be in that incredibly valuable role. And as bad as Sam Darnold is and as bad as the Panthers offense and organizational structure is, we've seen him be the best fantasy player since LaDainian Tomlinson in bad situations before.
0: Yeah. Why does this keep happening? I keep trying to post a damn Twitter poll and it keeps cutting off the R in Jonathan Taylor's name and I look you like Oh, I've
2: already so I, I did a poll with the Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Uh All right, then who then I'm should just the first, number one overall it. pick B. And Christian McCaffrey wasn't even number two. People are mad at Christian McCaffrey.
0: I know. McCaffrey. It's like it's it's basically the same stuff we heard about Joe Mixon coming it into person. the year. illustrate it's not
2: the same as Joe
3: Mixon. I mean
2: well, it's the same no, as Joe so much better, but has missed more games. It's just the same in,
0: in the sense that people were just mad that Mixon burned them with injuries, uh, and they didn't want to draft him again. And yeah, I mean, it is two years in a row for, for McCaffrey, and that is bad. But at his best, he has averaged 28 to 30 PPR fantasy points per yeah. game, and Taylor averaged 22.2 this year.
3: Um, and even
2: Derrick Henry early this season, when he was on that incredible run, was averaging 23.4. So I, I well, just
3: Henry's Henry's finish for the season was twenty four point four. So, I mean, you know, no. His,
0: well, yeah. it depends. I mean, what side are on you, our site are you? We're on
2: whose site? On our site. Hmm. Uh, I've got a twenty three point four. I'm not sure what the difference. I mean, is. I mean, I did. There.
3: I looked at it last night. If you go to our, our fantasy site, the homepage, hmm. and go by stats by PPR, that's what it has. So if that's wrong, then that's wrong. Yeah.
2: Well, let's, I mean, either either way, Christian McCaffrey's best has been. Much four better. to five points clear of every single other player. Oh, when best. he's
3: when he's yeah. right, he's right. He's the best. And there's so no, there's no doubt about it. So it's just a matter of, you know, what you want out of your first round pick. And like I said, it's it's something that I think if we get to August and he's fine and there's no issues and and there's some of the questions answered, most likely the quarterback is not going to be great. Most likely the offensive line is not going to be great. Uh I doubt they're going to spend significant capital to bring in another running back, you know, I mean, I, I would imagine that they have to be somewhat fine with yeah. Whether it's Chuba Hubbard or Amir Abdullah or somebody of that you know yeah. caliber, you know Hubbard will definitely be there. But you know, will, will somebody like Abdullah be there? So it's just it's just a matter of you know what your what your preference is. You know, I think for me right now, I don't see I don't see, um, I don't see uh, any flaws, at, or I don't see as many flaws um, without the upside clearly. But uh, with Taylor and Eckler. so I could see myself having McCaffrey third.
2: The the one. The I can see Jonathan Taylor ahead of him. I'm really struggling with how many people have Derrick Henry ahead of Christian McCaffrey because I think a 28 year old running back at his size with his workload history, coming off foot surgery, even if he looks great in the postseason, I think that carries much more risk than Christian McCaffrey, who has had like random shoulder and hamstring injuries, basically, and like sprain an ankle. You know, I think, I think the Non recurring random injuries that are never serious are less of a concern than significant injuries that re- require surgery.
0: That's a pretty good point. Because I have yeah, Taylor but sometimes, one head. As we
3: saw, like with with Aaron Foster at the end of his tenure, uh, when soft tissue injuries, injuries become a consistent problem, it's sometimes hard to overcome.
0: But that has, I mean, yeah. so who's that? And that's not, that's not, well,
2: that's well, a was- hamstring. Henry yeah. Foster was a couple of years older. Like McCaffrey, the, the wild thing is he's only going to be twenty six in twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah. All man, right. So let's let's move on to some talk. more players here. So so Chris's top six is McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, Cup, Adams, Henry. Uh, Jamie has uh, Adams and Cup coming up after his top six. I think uh, Taylor, Eckler, Cook, Henry, McCaffrey, Camara. So you have Cook third, and Chris, where do you have Cook?
2: That Cook is number eight for me. Ooh, me too. Which is, it's not a knock on him. I, I think the the top eight are kind of, there's a tier separating them from everyone else, I think. Jamie, Cook third
0: for you. Still a lot of faith in him after. I just call it a down season. Uh, about ninth per game. If you want to remove the game with Sean Mannion where he's coming off the COVID list, had a terrible game. If you just take that game out, he's uh sixth per game in non-PPR
2: and, uh, and oh there was man, that other game tenth. early in the season where he only played 49% of the snaps. Cause he clearly wasn't healthy when he came back.
0: Well, that's Dalvin cook. But, uh, all right, Jamie, give me your, give me your thoughts on cook third. Yeah. Another
3: scenario of, um, who's the coach, you know, that, that's uh one that will probably change, you know, what the scenario is there. But I think you look at what this offense is still a very good offensive line, you know, amazing skill players around him. So it's hard to say you're going to just load up to stop the run. Um, and, and this is something, you know, I, I want to work through myself, but it's worth talking about. Uh, drafting these guys at the top of your of the first round, um, is it better to take someone that has a clear-cut handcuff for scenarios like we saw with Dalvin Cook this year? So you know you're getting yeah. that guy. If you, you have to obviously make a concerted effort to get Alexander Madison probably sooner than you want to. Uh, could, could take up a dead spot on your roster, but there's no drop-off. You know, so one guy goes out, one guy goes in. You don't want to think like that, obviously. And this is what, like I said, i got to work out in my head if I want to really go this route and, and, and recommend it. But um, there was some comfort factor if you had both those guys on your team. Okay, Dalvin's out, Madison's in, I'm good to go. You know, and there's 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 several scenarios where that would have worked this year. You know, the Chiefs, for example, um, the Cowboys, had there ever been an injury? The Cardinals, I, I won two fantasy championships having both Chase Edmonds and James Conner on my team because one was out, one was in. And it was, it was easy once that unfolded. So, um, you know, I think that's something to take into account when you're looking at the top of the draft.
0: Potential. And eighth, I put him eighth because I just, you know, I, I just see this downward t- trend in terms of health, especially. He's always had health issues. And when he well, plays, he, he plays hurt. You know, when he hobbles off the field and he comes back on, it's starting to worry me a little bit. He's changing his number, though. Yeah. <laughs> And a he coaching change could be good, but you know his role in the passing game is decreasing a little bit. But a coaching change could be bad because it, maybe they start using Madison a little bit more, which they should. Uh, why'd you have maith, Chris? I,
2: so I could see the case for Dalvin Cook's passing game role increasing. I could see like a 20... What was that? 2018... Uh, Ezekiel Elliott when he saw a big increase in passing after only 58 catches in the first two seasons he had 77 in 2018 I could see something like that happening with the new coaching staff but for me it's just I tend to be pretty injury agnostic I think we're much better at projecting performance than we are injuries and in Dalvin Cook's case though I think he probably carries the most injury risk of any running back it's just the repeated shoulder injuries in both shoulders. Now you've had dislocations in both shoulders. I think he's had four or five different shoulder injuries dating back to college in both shoulders. So I just think then you add in, he's had a torn ACL. He had that hamstring injury that really hindered his second season. You had um, the groin injury last season. It's just, it's always something with him in the same way that it has been something with Christian McCaffrey the past two seasons. But he's also got that recurring serious injury that may require surgery this offseason uh, with his two shoulders. So I just that might be a good thing, though. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, it's also possible he hasn't had surgery yet. So maybe he won't this off season. in which case I just think well, the, 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 the risk of injury is what's that?
3: The season just ended two days ago
2: right right we don't know if he's gonna have
3: surgery well you said he hasn't had surgery yet so i mean it's-
2: no, no no i mean in the past for the
3: previous oh, versions yeah.
2: of these injuries because he had the separated shoulder in college um so i just you know it could be a thing where he just doesn't want to risk it and i i just i think eight is the right spot for the balance of upside and risk i lied actually i him ninth so i'm the low guy all
0: right, let's do the rest of our top 12 here. Again, for Chris, it's McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, Cup, Adams, Henry. For Jamie, it's Taylor, Eckler, Cook, Henry, McCaffrey, Kamara. That's six running backs to start the, start the uh, top 12. All right, Jamie, give me the rest of your top 12, 7 through 12.
3: Uh, Adams is 7, Cup is 8, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson is 9, Jamar Chase is 10, Joe Mixon 11, and Najee Harris 12.
0: Okay. Receiver, 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 Adams, Cup, Jefferson, Chase, and then Mixon and Harris. And for you, Chris, you've already got two receivers in there with Cup and Adams at four and five, respectively. Give me the rest of your uh top twelve after Derrick Henry at six.
2: Kamara, Cook, Swift, Jefferson, Hill, Kelsey. The uh, one different. I think Najee Harris not being in the top twelve, that's probably the one that I would consider changing, but yeah. I'm mixing in the wide receivers there, and I'm still going to be the high guy in the tight ends. I think four tight ends should go in the first two rounds next season. Why? Because they're still such a, they're still such difference makers. The thing with Kelsey that I struggle with is how much of his decline this season was based on him being 32, how much of it was just the weird thing that happened to the Chiefs' offense, and can they fix that? But I think having someone – who I think you can lock in for, you know, not 17 points every week, but averaging roughly around 17 to 20 points per week. I just think that's such an edge, even in a tight end landscape that we think looks better than it has in years past. If you actually look at the fantasy points per game and fantasy point totals this season, tight end was just as bad as it's always been. Heath, uh, Heath went over that a couple like ten days ago on Twitter, I think. Um, so I just getting guys with elite potential at tight end can be such a difference maker for your team
3: no i I don't have a problem with kelsey or andrews but four though because you went this route last year with three in the Mm -hmm. top what 20 top 15 no no, i think you said three in the first round top 15 yeah um and only one was good now obviously again like you said Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to look at injuries um but there is a track record with kittle you know so if you're going to bring up cook's track record kittles is just as bad um And Waller, there've been
2: it's been fewer serious injuries for Kittle. No, but I mean, you know, he
3: he he plays a style of football that is Mm -hmm. going to lead to probably you know this type of thing happening to him, and he's getting older, and his quarterback situation might be worse uh, than he's ever had because of what Trey Lance might do with his legs. And then in terms of Waller,
2: oh, it's not Waller.
3: It's not Waller. I'm putting Pitts in the second. Oh, Pitts. Okay, that's fair. Um,
2: The 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 extent like. I think he was viewed as a disappointment for fantasy, and he, he was, obviously. But Kyle Pitts had an unbelievable rookie season, considering he was the third youngest player in the NFL. Um, averaged almost 10 yards per target, was top 12 in yards per route run, top 12 in targets per route. It was, he just had an unbelievably good
3: rookie oh, season. Oh, no, I'm with you. He's, he's the third tight end for me, but I wouldn't take him in the first two rounds. Yeah,
2: No, it, it's a philosophy thing for me. Yeah. I just... I'd much rather try to find my third wide receiver or third running back or second running back than have to try to play the uh, touchdown or bus game at tight end.
0: Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, absolutely. And you have Kelsey at the end of round one. Jamie does not have a tight end in round. One. Where's the... I know Andrews is your number one. 15 and 16. 15 and 16, Andrews and Kelsey. I have Kelsey 10th ahead of Cup and Chase. I know people might think that's crazy. I don't know what to make of Cup yet. I I could see him moving up, but I just I don't have an explanation for how unfreaking believable this season was, but just reminds me a little bit of Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, Diggs went to a new team, Cup got a new quarterback, everything went right. You know, everything went right. And like I yeah. said a couple of weeks ago, uh one game with fewer than 92 yards the that's entire season. I mean, that is when you look at Calvin Johnson's record-setting season. I think he had five games with fewer than 92, maybe six. Uh, he also had like a 300-yard game or something wacky like that. But the consistency for Cup was remarkable. So it just felt like one of those years where everything went right. And there's just going to be some obvious regression next year. But I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to justify Kelsey over him because you're right, Chris. I mean, I, I'm going to do I, I have it that way right now. But it's it's tough. But it is the question of what happened to Travis Kelsey and what happened to that Chiefs offense because you think. I mean, there was only six games. The first six games of the season, Travis Kelsey's 16-game pace was 101 catches, 1,248 yards, 11 touchdowns. I mean, that's round one. That's top five value out of a tight end. And then the last 10 games, his 16-game pace was 80. still pretty good. 86 catches, 1,051 yards, eight touchdowns. That's very good. It's not Kelsey-like. But I don't know. I mean, the offense has really struggled – for much of the last i think 11 games. Cuz i think yeah. he
2: missed one of those games and the playoffs. Yeah, the, the last 11 games of Patrick Mahomes' season, he averaged 7.1 yards per attempt and a 4.6% touchdown rate. Those are decent numbers. Like that that would be a good like I don't know, Derek Carr season, but that's really bad for Patrick Mahomes who is sitting on a 6.4% touchdown rate and 8.1 yards per attempt. And yeah. And, and Kelsey you know, can they figure out how to adjust to the adjustments that defense has made to them i have to think they will they're so talented but it is a risk betting on a soon to be 33 year old Travis Kelsey you know the, yeah. the number of tight ends who've been elite at that point in their careers is i think just Tony Gonzalez yeah so uh, it, yeah and he had fewer, he had 34 or
0: fewer yards in four of his last five games including Week eighteen, when Tyree Kill didn't even play, I know Kelsey got a little beat up in that game, but yeah, it's it's. He got beat up in the last play. Kelsey? Yes. No, he got beat Mm -hmm. up earlier in the game. He had a he like didn't he limp off earlier in the the game? Last
3: play of the game, he got he got the hip injury.
0: Um. Oh. All right. I thought it was earlier in the game.
3: He might have got hurt early in the game, but the injury that everybody was looking and concerned about was on the final on the final drive.
0: We both we all have Mixon in our top twelve, right? Or no, no, I do not. Oh, you do not. Okay, you have Swift. So let's mm-hmm. let's do that. Let's do a Swift versus Mixon debate here. Jamie, you you take Mixon over Swift. Chris has Swift over Mixon, and Jamie has Mixon eleventh, and Chris has Swift ninth. Uh, Jamie, go ahead. Do first word. Well, I I
3: think when you look at um, I don't have Swift eleventh. I have Mixon. 11th. Um, no, no, no. I
0: said you have Mix. I'm sorry. You have Mixon eleventh, and Chris yeah. has Swift ninth, and neither yes, of you have the other guy me. in the top twelve.
3: Uh. I just look at what Mixon, you know, hopefully will continue to do in the passing game when he's been used in that capacity, because I think you see what the upside is there. And it felt like down the stretch in all their big games, he was used in the passing game. It was like, we're not going to screw around with some P. run anymore. Um, I hope that's the case moving forward that he's, you know, going back to what they said in the offseason last offseason of he's never coming off the field. Now, who knows where their postseason run ends, uh, what they do again to retool this team in the offseason. But this could be the best offense in the NFL next year. I mean, just based on what they have, the ascension of their quarterback, um, the play caller, and everything that's kind of fallen into place this year. Uh, I'm going to guess the the area of, of emphasis on their offensive side of the ball is going to be on their offensive line to add more pieces there. So he's, to me, in, in such a good spot to score so many touchdowns and just continuing to be a workhorse guy on that team. So. Uh, the one I struggle with, honestly, is between him and Najee Harris because if the Steelers get a quarterback upgrade over what Roethlisberger has been and continuing to retool their offensive line, that's the one that I would move, would be would be Najee ahead of Mixon. I, I love the upside of DeAndre Swift, but I still need to see a little bit more from what this team's going to look like.
0: Yeah, Chris, you're higher on Swift, and I do wonder what you think about that now without Anthony Lynn there and if that really decreases his catch potential. Which... It's
3: so much better without Anthony Lynn there.
0: It's better. I mean, it's more carries, but it's probably fewer catches.
3: From from what uh, I've heard uh, from people who know that team, uh, Anthony Lynn was so clueless about what was going on, which is why Dan Campbell took away his play calling and other mm-hmm. offensive, player, offensive uh, coaches on that staff thought he was just completely lost.
0: I understand that, but... Anthony Lynn has a track record of just throwing, of having the running backs be a huge, huge part of the passing game. And you could see a clear mark of when Dan Campbell took over the play calling and fewer targets for the for the running backs, especially DeAndre Swift. He did deal with injuries during that stretch, so it's a little hard to see. Yeah, I mean, he,
2: he he only played. When, when did Dan Campbell take over play calling? After the bye. Okay, yeah, because... Uh, right, so right around Swift, mid-season. Yeah, Swift only played, okay, week nine bye. He only played five games with Dan Campbell calling plays. He had 33 carries and 14 carries in two of those games. And then he got hurt, and he really wasn't used the same way in the final three games, you know, especially those final two. So, I don't know. I just look at the willingness Dan Campbell has to put his best offensive players in positions where they can get the ball in space in interesting ways. You saw the way they used him on Ross St. Brown. I think that's going to carry over to next season. I think that fits with the philosophy, and I think that fits with DeAndre Swift's skill set. You know, yes, losing uh, Anthony Lynn did impact Austin Eckler's role in the passing game a little bit, but not really that much. You know, he ended up with ninety-four targets in sixteen games last this season. He also, he but he a ended
0: up with a, with an offensive coordinator who was Alvin Kamara's offensive court you know right, but
3: Teddy's i think if you like have alvin, it the thing the thing that's bad about anthony lynn and this was i think a problem for austin eckler and kind of held him back a little bit to be honest with you is that he likes a bigger running back i mean he's talked about that. Swift, why, it's why he he wanted to play jamal williams so much yeah. and so i think anthony lynn gone is is good for this team
2: Okay. yeah i think when you have an austin eckler an alvin Kamara, and i think deandre swift you know i don't know if he's exactly in that category but in terms of the skill set the best way to use him is like those guys. I think you use them. And, you know, I think we generally see that around the NFL. Often Alvin Kamara had a frustrating season, but his target share was still 22%, I believe. So the issue there was just, they didn't throw the ball much. They didn't run many plays in new Orleans, but they still used him that way. So I'm really not concerned about Swift's passing game role. I think he's a good candidate for 70 catches next season. And, it just like we talked about earlier, it's 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 a math problem. If you're going to catch seventy passes and you're going to have a role in the running game, you're probably going to end up being close to a top twelve running back, especially if you can get even eight touchdowns. You know, not a huge number. So, and Jamie, I just, oh yeah, go ahead. I think he's in that Austin Eckler type of range before Austin Eckler made his you know really big leap this season. And where'd he end up for you, Jamie? DeAndre Swift.
3: Oh, he's, he's in round two. He's top 12 running, top 10 running back. I mean, you know, there's, there's, he's right behind this group, you know, so we're probably splitting hairs about where we're taking, you know, these, these two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, this is another one, you know, I, I want to see, I, I really like what Detroit is doing. You know, I mean, this is an offensive line, I think that doesn't get enough credit for, you know, what they, what they have and, and hopefully can keep. Um, I think Jared Goff gets knocked too much for not being a good quarterback. He may not be great or elite, but he's still very good. And you saw that in flashes this season. Uh, as they were working through their receiving core, I think if the defense gets better and they have more favorable game scripts. You know, he'll certainly have more opportunities, Swift will. And to be honest, I'd like to see them move on from Jamal Williams. You know, not that he's a bad player and certainly a good locker room guy. Um, got one more year left on his deal, but that could be really the only issue, I think, with Swift because I'm going to guess they like Craig Reynolds, you know, just based on the things that Dan Campbell has said. And so, does the next guy calling plays, you know, whether it's somebody on their staff or somebody that they bring in, uh, or Campbell, uh, which which I, I'm going to guess they probably don't go that route again. Um, I, I really do think that had more to do with Anthony Lynn than anything else. Um, if they do bring in a, a different play caller, I don't think that's bad for Swift as a whole, but it could just be bad for maybe what his overall ceiling can be because of it might not be 70 catches because they don't want to use him fully in that role, or it might not be you know 200 carries because they don't want to use him in that role. You mm-hmm. know, and this is another guy do you have to worry about maybe some injury concerns based on sure. how end of college. Early, early NFL career has gone to.
2: And with regards to Mixon, I, I do worry that they finally realize that their passing game is a lot better than their running game and that Mixon, you know, throughout his career, there haven't been a lot of times when he's been a super efficient running back. He's mostly been volume dependent and even this season to a certain extent, obviously the touchdowns really helped in that regard. But I kind of think a lot went right for Joe Mixon in a way that you can't necessarily count on. Moving forward, and I think, you know, I probably have him ranked right around where I had him ranked last season. And there's only one running back in between him and Swift, uh, and it's Najee Harris. So it's mostly wide receivers and uh, Kelsey between those two. So Mixon being 15, it's not really a knock on him. I just, I think this was probably close to the best we're gonna see from him. And I think Swift just has more upside.
0: Yeah. Per game, he was fourth in non-PPR, sixth in full PPR. That's Joe Mixon. I think it's interesting to compare his 2019 season to his 2021 season, which I'm going to do in just a second. But right now, I'm going to tell you about an amazing limited-time offer for real. You've got like a week to take advantage of this. Go to butcherbox.com slash FFT. I don't know exactly when this offer ends But ButcherBox.com slash FFT to get the ultimate New Year's bundle in your first box. This deal includes ground beef, chicken thighs, and pork butt. That is more than seven pounds of meat added to your first box for free, ButcherBox.com slash FFT. Let me tell you about ButcherBox. I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? But first of all, meal prepping is difficult, and ButcherBox makes it easy. It's a subscription service that takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat. You're going to the grocery store. You're looking for this type of stuff. You're not going to find it. Uh, They source their meat from partners with the highest standards for quality. So no no more searching that grocery store for the 100% grass-fed beef or the free-range organic chicken or the wild-caught seafood and more. That's what you're getting in ButcherBox. Now, for me, a few nights ago, we made lasagna with the ground beef that we got from ButcherBox. Amazing! I didn't realize how good lasagna was. Don't I need to have that more often? Uh, tonight I'm making pineapple chicken with the organic free-range chicken that I got from ButcherBox. This could be the second time in three weeks. It's so damn good. And in order to make these meals as good as they need to be, you need the best quality meat. That's what you're getting from ButcherBox. You can customize your box. You get a curated selection of high-quality meat delivered right to your home. No antibiotics. No added hormones. Each box gives you eight to fourteen pounds of meat, depending on which one you choose. It's packed fresh, it's shipped frozen for your convenience, so it saves you time. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You just choose a butcher box, comes right to your house. Remember, for a limited time, they're offering new members a great deal for the new year. Sign up at butcherbox.com FFT. You'll receive the ultimate New Year's bundle in your first box. Ground beef, chicken thighs, and pork butt. That's more than seven pounds of meat added to your first box for free. Get this New Year's bundle before it's gone by going to butcherbox.com slash FFT. Now final word on the top 12. Just want to give you the numbers on Joe Mixon. 2019 to 2021. In 2019, um, well, this year he had 15 more carries and seven more catches. He played 16 games both seasons. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry both seasons. That's that's very, very similar. He did he was a little bit more efficient as a pass catcher actually in 2019, but 16 touchdowns this year eight touchdowns in 2019. So that was the difference between being a top five running back this year and 12th or 13th, depending on the format in 2019. It was basically all because of the touchdowns and what happened. The Bengals were 30th in scoring in 2019. Yeah. They were seventh, almost six, two points away from being six this year. So workhorse running back on a great offense. You see the difference, the potential eight more touchdowns in 16 games, uh, on a great offense compared to a terrible one. And that, that will matter. That will factor in. And it's something we'll talk about throughout the offseason. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap it up with our thoughts on the coaching changes and the coordinator changes. Although, I think you already heard the Anthony Lynn analysis. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Good stuff for the playoffs here, Pete Carroll. Well, for, sorry for next season. We'll get to the playoffs stuff, Pete. But for first for next season, Jamie, Pete Carroll expects Chris Carson to be ready for training camp, and Houston signed Rex Burkhead to a one-year, two-point-three-five million dollar deal. Do you think either Carson or Burkhead, as of right now on January 11th, do you think they'll be fantasy relevant in 2022?
3: Carson for sure. If Penny leaves, I mean, he's a free agent. So if Penny walks and they don't add anybody of significance, so it's Carson and DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. And I don't know the status of their contracts, but um, I mean, Carson back as a lead running back for Seattle and their status quo with Russell there and, and Metcalf and, and Lockett and Carson's right. He'll be somebody that you're looking at as a late second, late number two running back, uh, probably in that round five, round six range. I, I, I'd like to see Penny stay as we talked about yesterday, but um, Carson still could be, you know, their guy.
0: And Tyree Burkhead, Kill, no. Burkhead, no, okay. Tyreek Kill expected to play. Daryl Williams expected to play. Clyde Edwards-Elair is making progress. Actually, a lot of great injury notes. Uh, Joe Mixon expected to play. Leonard Fournette expected to play. Tony Pollard's going to play. The Eagles are taking their guys off the COVID list. Everybody's expected to play. Yeah, the Packers are getting healthier. They've got two weeks, but. They're going to have their tackles, their center, it seems like. They're going to have, hopefully, their best pass rusher and cornerback. Uh, it's good stuff right now. Grayson's right. expected to be fine. That's who. Oh, MVS got hurt. We'll see if he's back in two weeks. Uh, so that's excellent. Now, as far as well, the coaches go. Uh,
3: for anybody playing in any playoff challenge, uh, I did a rank list that should be up by the end of the day on Tuesday. So you can check out, you know, just there's so many different formats. We can't get into all the specifics, but just, I rank the players, how I think that they'll go. The, the best exercise I could tell you is map out the postseason. Most of these leagues are cumulative. So you want the guys that are going to play the most games, whoever you think is going to rank the Super Bowl. Wildcard teams are the, the best ones to look at. We can probably talk about this more on Thursday if you want to when we do DFS. But um, I think, you know, just if you're looking for some playoff challenge rankings, they'll be on the site.
0: So, so far, Chris, we've had Vic Fangio, Mike Zimmer, Matt Nagy, Brian Flores fired as head coaches, Anthony Lynn out as offensive coordinator. What's the biggest fantasy deal here? What are you looking at?
2: I think it's potentially either um, the Bears with Matt Nagy or the Vikings with Mike Zimmer, just because we could see a change in philosophy in those two situations that could have a big impact, you know? Justin Jefferson is, I think he's my wide receiver four. Nope, wide receiver three. And he, I think he might just be the best wide receiver in football at this point in terms of skill and talent. And if they decide to make him a 30% target share guy like he was down the stretch for a whole season, he could be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. So if they go with a coach who's a little more pass-heavy, and we'll use him more like a true Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup-esque number one, I think he could join that tier for fantasy. So that's a big one. And then with Matt Nagy, it was just, he was so frustratingly unwilling to adapt to Justin Fields' skill set for most of his rookie season. And even, you know, eventually they started using Justin Fields more as a rusher, but it always felt grudging. And it was something going back to, Mitchell Trubisky, who was a very good athlete for the quarterback position, if you go look at Trubisky's 40-yard dash, he ran the same 40-yard time as Sean Watson. And the best we saw of that Bears offense during Matt Nagy's time was the like eight weeks when they were using Trubisky as a rusher consistently. So I think they have to get a uh, a coach who's going to use Justin Fields the way the Ravens use Lamar Jackson. And if they do that, I think Justin Fields absolutely has top ten uh, QB potential. And Jamie, what are you looking at in terms of these coaches? Um,
3: well, I like the fact that the bears are talking to Brian Dable. I think that would be good yep. for Justin Fields. Absolutely. You know, because we see what just Josh Allen has done, um, you know, under even, Tyrod. Huh? even Tyrod back in Buffalo days, uh, even did. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Uh, but I think you look at, you know, Dable seems to be somebody that a lot of people are getting excited about for a couple of different coaching um, uh, spots. Uh, the Vikings, I saw maybe Doug Peterson as a name that they mentioned, and that would be good. I think also from a standpoint of, you know, what they would do in terms of, you know, being creative offense. So I'd like to see offensive guys get those jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I was thinking about Matt Nagy, Adam, with your whole Joe judge thing, you know, Brian Flores is obviously a weird one. Like why was he fired? You know, there, there's clearly something going on behind the scenes based on the reports hearing about power struggle or, you know, the horrible factor because of Steven Ross. But Matt Nagy, you know, when you were saying like, why do teams change coaches as opposed to maybe trying to fix the personnel? You know, I think that was your point. Mm-hmm. Um, realize, you know, I don't think people realize that he's been to the playoffs two or three years now. Obviously, there's been some circumstances why they've made it to the playoffs, but you know, had they maybe given him another, 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 not another year or so, but but more time with with Fields, I wouldn't like that. But I could see just based on your philosophy with joe judge like maybe that would work but in any event um you'd like to see somebody that's going to work with justin fields you know that's the that's the big key you know because there's mm-hmm. there's some nice pieces in place there they have to replace Allen robinson i still think there's a lot to like about cole Comet, obviously darnell mooney and montgomery um but yeah i think peterson a guy like that to the vikings a guy like dable to the bears you know those type of moves i think would be encouraging for sure
0: I think when you're talking about Justin Fields, you need to bring in a coach who can can work with any type of quarterback, a pocket passer or a mobile quarterback who's had success with those types of quarterbacks. And I really think that's Urban Meyer. I think that's what <laughs> the Bears need to, <laughs> need to look at right now. Yeah, Denver's obviously pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, they need somebody, but that, I think they they need a quarterback to unlock.
2: Yeah, quarterback is more important than coach there. I think.
0: Yeah,
3: Denver. Denver sounds like they have their two candidates in mind. Whether they get them remains to be seen. I mean, we talked about this the other day that George Payton has a relationship with Dan Quinn, according to our two guys, Jason Lacafora and Pete Prisco. So sounds like that could be the situation. And like Pete brought up that Dan Quinn reportedly turned down an interview with the Jaguars because there might be a wink wink scenario of we're getting rid of. Vic Fangio, you're our guy. Um, You know, don't consider any other jobs. And then Nathaniel Hackett, which the thought would be is if they get Hackett, they get Rodgers. And so Rodgers loves Nathaniel Hackett. That would be amazing for everything Denver and terrible for everything Green Bay. Um, But something to keep an eye on there. Yes, I I think the, the quarterback is much more important to the Broncos situation, fantasy wise, clearly, than it is the coach.
2: Denver's such a. They're like Jared Judy's still. I saw he was still like twentieth in startup uh, dynasty ADP in like drafts over the last month at wide receiver, and it's just like that's way too high without knowing who the quarterback is based on what we've seen. And he's only going to go up if they get a good quarterback. It's it's really hard to like buy low in Denver. People are still really really high on skill players there.
3: Well, I think you're buying low mostly on the other two. You know because those two, you know, Sutton is. You know, people are so sour on him, you know, and, and you see Patrick just cannibalizing him. And Patrick obviously is just the name that people don't either realize how good he has been um, based on the limited amount of time that he's touched the ball, but he's been fantastic. He's and been their best wide
2: receiver the past two
3: seasons. Yeah. I mean, well, two years ago, it's hard to say, you know, that that's a fair assessment because sure. play, but uh, you're right. He has been their best receiver. Did, and, did you know, he drop a pass
0: ago, on in week 18 for the first time he's, all season? He's, I think he had a couple of drops this year. Has he? Mistaken. Okay.
3: Um, but he did not drop a pass in 2020, and and Noah Fant obviously has been a disappointment. But I think he's still a buy low as well. So if you can get the Broncos, you know, without having to overspend, and Judy's probably the one you have to overspend on. They're they're the the target, and we were saying this last year too. You know, buy low on these guys too because we thought they were going to upgrade, and, and all they got was Bridgewater. But maybe there's a bigger fish out there for them to get.
0: Okay, and just uh, in case one of your teams is looking to hire a head coach, and you want it to be an offensive head coach. The Cowboys, the Bucks—they're the top two scoring teams in the NFL. They have offensive-minded head coaches, but the Bills are number three. Sean McDermott was a defensive coordinator. The Chiefs are number four. We know Andy Reid. The Chargers are number five, and Brandon Staley was a defensive coordinator. So uh, it doesn't—you know—you can you can hire a defensive-minded head coach. He's got to hire the right offensive coordinator and have the right players in place. Yeah. And uh, we thought it, that you know,
3: with Brady. Matt Rule. You know that bringing in Joe Brady would be the, the answer. Yeah.
0: Oh, Matt Rule, and that's another thing about McCaffrey. Matt Rule wants to r- probably lead the league in rush attempts. <laughs> uh, we haven't really talked about that, but that—that's—that's that's what he's looking for. An offensive coordinator is like thirty carries a game. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. You got to have a yeah, good the, team to uh, do that.
3: The Jay Gruden rumor scares me.
0: Oh God, I I gotta go, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, we are out of here. Sorry, that was really a, kind of a mean reaction to, to Jay Gruden. Uh, sorry. My apologies, Jay. Uh, we will talk to you on Thursday with a look at the weekend's games, some DFS talk, and some other 2022 talk as well. Please send us your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Please leave your Apple podcast reviews, your Spotify reviews. For Chris and Jamie, I am Adam. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you on Thursday.
1: Okay.